today on Laura Lynn and Friends. If you sleep in a democracy, you will have a very rude awakening in a tyranny. So please, I can only, I, I'm imploring the people to please wake up and question and criticize their governments. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. You know that my name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson and it is a joy to be with you today. Um, actually, this, this is gonna be one of my all time favorite memories, um, you know, because I'm going to be speaking shortly with Christine Anderson. And she has become a household name because of her, her courage, her strength, her voice that is speaking something different than the rest of the world. Uh, for instance, uh, what Jacinda, has been saying. We know about her from New Zealand um, and we've had some good news. Let's roll the good news. And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. <laughs> and that my term as Prime Minister will conclude no later <laughs> than the 7th of February. <laughs> Yay, goodbye. All right. So uh, without further ado, I would like to get to my guest today. That is Christine Anderson, and she is a German politician who is serving as an alternative for Germany, AFD member of the European Parliament. And if you have seen any of her clips, in fact, JT, let's roll uh, a clip of Christine Anderson standing up for the world and speaking about our prime minister in Canada. Take a look. Based on Article 195 out that it would have been more appropriate for Mr. Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, to address this House according to Article 144, an article which was specifically designed to debate violations of human rights, democracy and the rule of law, which is clearly the case with Mr. Trudeau. Then again, a Prime Minister who openly admires the Chinese basic dictatorship who tramples on fundamental rights by persecuting and criminalizing his own citizens as terrorists just because they dared to stand up to his perverted concept of democracy should not be allowed to speak in this house at all. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy. Please spare us your presence. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Christine. Thank you so much for being with us and thank you for for what you have said on behalf of Canadians, because we have been terrorized, we have we have PTSD in our country from what we've been through, uh, and you have spoken on our behalf, and so we have a deep, deep affection for you. Welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me, and I will have to say it was my absolute pleasure to let him know what some <laughs> of the other people around the club think about him. <laughs> Exactly. And, and it's true. Like, uh, if you are a person who's understanding democracy and if you're understanding what is happening in the world, you will look at the actions of Justin Trudeau and see that, um, that, that he is a, a tyrant. And you've seen that. Christine, how did you see that? How have you come to have such understanding of these issues? Because many of your, your cohorts and colleagues across the world, like Jacinda, have been on the complete opposite side? Well, I guess it kind of has to do with my history, obviously. I mean, you, you may know that uh, we have a very, very dark spot in the German history and, um, you know, the Nazi, Nazi regime, obviously. 
and uh, then we had uh, another uh, totalitarian regime on German soil. It was in GDR. And um, if you actually uh, uh, made it a mission for you, you personally to never allow totalitarian rule to uh, get the upper hand again, then you will have to um, yeah, educate yourself on how these mechanisms work and how was it possible back then and uh, what can we do today to uh, fight it once you start seeing it. But you have to be willing to see it. And um, now, like I said, GDR, I, you know, uh, unfortunately, I had uh, the opportunity to get very close to that uh, regime because my parents were from there and uh, my dad was arrested in 1950 um, and sent 25 years of hard labor to one of the most horrific political prisons you can imagine, Bautzen. Um, and it was called the, the Yellow Misery. Yeah, I mean, there was torture going on. There was, uh, uh, it, it was just terrible what he, what he had to go through. But the point is this, um, he didn't have to serve the 25 years. Luckily, he was released after five years and uh, he still wouldn't shut up. I mean, seriously, he came back and he just picked up where he had left. And um, <clears throat> when he was about to be arrested the second time, that uh, was going to be 59. Um, that time he was warned and he decided to flee the country. And um, <clears throat> but just to think, I mean, when he started speaking up, started out to speak up and, and go into opposition, um, he he didn't even have children at the time. But he kind of thought, you know, what kind, what world would I want my children to live in? And uh, decided that was not the world he wanted his kids to grow up in. And uh, so I'm thankful that he made that choice. And uh, so I was born and raised in Western Germany. And uh, I always refer to people in the Western democracies as spoiled brats um, because they fail to see the mechanisms in place that would allow totalitarianism to come uh, to rise again. And um, that's what I'm trying to prevent. Wow. And, and we're so blessed and so grateful for that. So so clearly you are a chip off the old block then uh, of your father refusing to be silent. You've had a lot of people come against you and a, a lot of backlash. I'm sure there's a price to pay for what you've said. Yeah, well, I have to say very much to my father's dismay, <laughs> I always contradicted everything, you know. Um, so obviously I, I wasn't a daughter that was easy to raise, you know, uh, being like that. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I, I, I just, you know, just seeing how my relatives uh, uh, would have to live in GDR, oppressed, not, you know, they, they were afraid of speaking up. And whenever we did go there and visit them, uh, the first thing my aunt would do is, you know, go through the entire house and close all the windows so that no one could listen in, you know, what what they were speaking and obviously having visitors from West Germany, you were already under suspicion. Um, so it, it was, yeah, it was detrimental. It, it was like, a, and even crossing the border, you know, I mean, you never knew what was going to happen. You, anything could have happened. They could have dismantled your entire car because they were convinced you were, you know, smuggling some magazines into GDR. So it, it, it was just this, this feeling 
of um, it, it, it's actually hard to describe. It, it, it was it was not easy, and uh, I don't I really do not want anyone on this entire planet having to live through any anything like that. So I guess that's why I'm yeah the way I am, and I, I just have to speak out against this, and um, I I really want to educate people to be more critical. In fact, they have to be critical. They have to question everything their government is doing because governments, once in power, they will always strive to expand their power. And this expansion of that power, it obviously goes at the expense of the, of the people. So um, the people need to realize they are actually the ones holding the power and they are bestowing the power onto the ones uh, that eventually will rule. But just as they bestowed that power, they can take it away. And that's what people should do once they realize their governments are not acting in their best interest. You know, I um, I so appreciate what you're saying. I was there, uh, convoy uh, 20, uh, 22 with the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa. I was there from the beginning to the end. I was there when they pelted innocent, unarmed, Canadian citizens with rubber bullets, some uh, piercing people's cheeks, uh, hurting, wounding many people, uh, taking horses, you know, through through the crowd, uh, harming at least two people. Uh, one lady survived, one man. I have never heard what happened to him. And in fact, it's very hard to get any information on what happened to him. And they would tear gas everybody, um, beanie bags, you know, that went into people's faces and stuff like that. And we tried to tell our government we tried to tell them that this was unacceptable, that forcing vaccines, forcing these mandates, forcing the loss of our uh, liberties on us was not acceptable. And we were literally, um, we, we were shot down and it was a very difficult day when the truckers had to resign, they needed to leave or people would get hurt. And then they went after the truckers and made political prisoners. And we were unarmed and Trudeau is taking our guns. And this is, uh, this is the problem. We do not, we do feel quite powerless in how to deal with our government right now. Well, I mean, from what you just described, you know, these are scenes that I would expect in China. These are scenes that I would expect in, in North Korea. And um, I would not expect anything like that in Western democracies, but they are happening in Western democracies. And when I remember when uh, the um, anti-COVID restriction protest started here in Germany, I remember a lady, she was sta just standing there in Berlin uh, holding a copy of the German Grundgesetz, our constitution. Uh, she was just holding it. I mean, literally upholding the German constitution. And she was brutally attacked and tackled down by police. And they, they, they took that copy of the constitution away from her. I mean, on what planet would it be acceptable someone holding up a copy of the constitution to be uh, tackled down? That's, that's, it's insane. And that is what we're seeing. And as long as people refuse to see these signs and seriously question it and uh, uh, call out on that, I, gosh, I don't know what else to say. People need to do this. And, you know, it's just the sheer numbers that the people have. We are way more, but people need to stop letting themselves be divided by the rulers.
Yes, I agree. The other concern, and I wonder if you see this in Germany at all, is the divide between those that see and those that do not. There is this deception that has come over a lot of people. They're very, they're afraid. Uh, we've already got people putting their masks back on in Canada. One little sign of, you know, anything there that, you know, they want more vaccines. They want more tyranny. They want people to be held, yeah. you know, into to strict measures. Like what's wrong with the world? How did a certain part of our population lose the plot? Well, that's, that's actually a tough question. I think part of it is um, it is much easier to deceive someone than to convince him of the fact that he has been deceived. So it's kind of like, you know, when you when you fell victim to a con artist, you know, you, you're kind of ashamed uh, that you were stupid enough to fall victim. So it takes you some time to actually, you know, come to terms with it. And, and admit it. And I think that plays a part in, I mean, it's a democratically elected government, you know, and I have people ask me, well, why would our government do something like this to us? You know, and I'm just totally astonished that they would even ask that question, but it's hard to admit that you have in fact been deceived um, in this gaslighting that is going on. And I will have to say, I mean, they're doing it quite cleverly. I mean, they're smart about it. You know, the thing is this, um, totalitarian regimes, it never starts out when, with them rounding up people and locking them up. That's the end point of totalitarianism. But you have very, very, you have a lot of little steps. And at first they seem to be rather inconsequential. Well, so you have to put on a mask. Well, so you cannot sit on that bench anymore. What's the big deal? There's other benches. I'll sit on there. Okay, so I can't go to that restaurant. Well, I just go to, an, but that's where it starts. And sooner or later, you will not be allowed in any restaurant anymore. You will not be allowed to sit on any bench anymore. So, um, yeah, the, the restrictions, you know, they become closer and closer. And sooner or later, you will find yourself in a tightly knit web where there is no escape anymore. And uh, people need to understand and need to see these illiberal little steps in the beginning. That's just the beginning. Like I said, it never starts out with rounding up people and locking them up. That's the end point. And you have such clarity on that. And so many people, uh, even loved ones, we, we've been divided in our families because they don't get that. And you do. Do you think that is because, as you've already said, you grew up in, in, in something that most people were not privy to. So you saw it firsthand. And that's that must be what has really given you, in particular, a real understanding. And you're now giving that to the world. You're now sounding an alarm to the world that you're hoping everybody will listen to. Um, that experience that you had has educated you in a way that many people have no idea about. Right. Well, I, I would certainly, I mean, that that's a big part of it, obviously, um, you know, being able to see it firsthand. And, uh, and, and another part is, uh, yeah, probably my personality. Um, I, I don't know if if I get a feeling that someone is trying to manipulate me or gaslighting me, I, I have a very fine, you know, sensorium for that. And I, I, I pick up on that and I always, you know, ask myself, well, what is this person actually trying to achieve when he tells me A, B, C or D? 
So, and um, I always have a tendency to, to try to take another perspective on what he's trying to do and, you know, kind of looking, well, what if I did what he's asking me to do? How would he benefit from it? You know, so there's just a variety of questions you can ask yourself to leave the perspective that you're supposed to have and see it from another angle. So I guess I've always been like that, you know, once again, very much to the dismay of my teachers, too. I always question them, too. <laughs> your parents. Right. Uh, you and I are a little bit alike in that. I was a problem child, and I always questioned everything. And I've said that um, on our show, and, and I think that is what is incredible about you, and um, that helps you, know you what, to be though? at the forefront. Mm -hmm. But you know what, though? Um, I Very few teachers actually appreciate it the way I am. And they got, went into these debates with me. It, it was just a few, you know, but you have these teachers, they just want students to do whatever the heck they tell them to do. And then there's these others. They may be annoyed at the time that you question everything and be critical of them. But you know, if they get into the debate with you, um, I kind of got a feeling from them they actually appreciate what I'm doing. And these were the teachers, you know, I would seek out on the schoolyard to have a conversation with them, uh, you know, kind of, and these teachers, they also shaped me into who I am because from them, I got, you know, the, the, the affirmation that it's not bad what I'm doing. And, you know, it certainly isn't treacherous what I'm doing. So th there's a lot of people in my life, have been in my life that kind of got me to who I am. So when you take a moment and your day is done and you've done one of those incredible speeches in parliament, you're shaking the world. I mean, not very many people do a speech like you did about Trudeau or the many uh, times that you are literally pounding uh, the leaders of the world for what they're doing. And it goes viral on YouTube and I mean, we get sent it here, you know, because I have many followers and they're always sending me the latest stuff. I get your videos, you know, three times a day. But when you take a moment and you step back, like, are you shocked that you, Christine Anderson, are in this position to speak to the world? Uh, yeah, I am. I mean, that, you know, that first speech of mine that, that went viral, uh, I didn't even realize it. My, my daughter, you know, she walked into the living room and was like, mom, you're going viral on Twitter. And I'm like, I thought she was pulling my leg. And I was like, of course I do, you know, seriously. And she was like, no, no, no I'm, I'm serious. And she was like, what, what did I even say? You know, I, I put a life of me. I, I couldn't figure what could I possibly say that made me go viral on Twitter. So then she showed me and I was like, oh, that, and you know, that video, I was talking about what citizens in a democracy should do, question their government, never take anything for granted. Uh, yeah. I was, I was, you know, pretty much saying, um, you know, no one grants me freedom because I, or I am free, you know? So the government was trying to, to promise me freedom if I only got vaccinated, no one grants me free. But these to me, there was just things that everyone in, in Western democracies should know. And it should be common knowledge. And I was so astonished that this would go viral. And I realized 
They probably did because most people have forgotten that that's what democracy is actually all about. The people taking charge and the people telling the government what they can, what they can and cannot do, not the other way around. So, and that got me thinking, I was like, oh my God, we are in so deep trouble. If something like this goes viral, I mean, you know, anyone should know this. We, we should have been taught at school. Everyone should be living by that standard. And this goes viral. Um, yeah, I realized how deep of a trouble we're actually in. Well, that that is a very profound statement because you're right. Like we've forgotten that somehow. And there's a group meeting in Davos right now, the World Economic Forum. What do you think about these leaders who are not speaking the same language as, as yourself? Well, um, they're going there because right now it is more beneficial to them to be part of this elitist club than to be an advocate for the people. And that's what the people need to do. They need to make them realize it is way more beneficial to them if they were to act in the best interest of the people. But right now, the people are not doing anything really. They're watching the eight o'clock news and whatever their TV tells them they're doing it. And you know, they believe any kind of gaslighting scheme they're being fed. Um, so they don't really fear not being reelected because the people will not uh, speak up and they will not tell them, hey, listen up, if you do not get your act together and if you do not start representing the people, then you will be out of office. Right now, they're not getting that message. So that's what, what I'm trying to, to get across, to wake the people up. They need to send a very clear message to their elected representatives. And as long as that is not happening, they will continue to be part of any elitist club because it's more beneficial to them. And what is your thoughts on Klaus Schwab and his <laughs> rise well, to, to our eyesight, you know, and seeing him all the time and, and that we will own nothing and be happy? Right. Well, first of all, for someone uh, having lived, you know, in the United States for that long, you really would have thought it, you, you really would think he would have worked on his accent. That's just terrible. I, mean, <laughs> I don't understand what he's saying when he's speaking English. So, um, yeah, but, you know, Klaus Schwab, I, I really cannot say anything about Klaus Schwab because um, he is just, you know, standing or putting his face in some camera and, you know, talking about something that is, you know, definitely not in the best interest of anyone on this planet other than the elitist clique that he is a part of. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is um, Klaus Schwab himself, he probably isn't the one pulling the strings. He's just a puppet like all of the others because the ones actually pulling the strings, I don't think you will see them on any, any camera we don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. And, you know, people sometimes ask me, well, who is it? Who are you talking about when you're speaking about these globalist elites? And I said, well, if I knew, you would be the first to, to know. I don't know. So who are the actual players that pull the strings behind the scene? Who is coming up with all of this stuff? I don't know. 
I know, like I said, a few puppets that, uh, yeah, spread the word on whatever that agenda is, but they're not the ones pulling, uh, 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 pulling the strings. And then, and that really does mean, like you say, we're in a lot of trouble. Do you think that, um, I mean, we need to wake up. I think that's what you keep, your message keeps resonating because uh, something's happening that is global. Like, weren't you surprised as well the way that the whole world reacted with the lockdowns, the mandates, the forcing of the vaccines, the same uh, ridiculous sort of restrictions that came globally, like worldwide, and also the rise of transgenderism as well. Uh, these things that all of a sudden the whole world is talking about something that when we were growing up, we didn't even hear of. Yeah, that's actually the most scary part, you know, that all of the Western democracies were literally in lockstep as they moved forward with their restrictions. Everyone was saying the same thing. I mean, down to the very letter, they were repeating safe and effective and uh, you need to get vaccinated, built back better. They were all using the same lines. And that I, I really have to say, that scares the heck out of me, especially me as a German, because that's what happened. That's how Nazi Germany actually came to rise. Um, they were literally just, you know, getting all of the media in lockstep, all of the um, the, 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 the uh, government uh, uh, government uh, officials. They were all in lockstep. So, and the, that's the most scary part. Is this? Um, I said it before. You know, if there's three, four, or even five countries in the Western Hemisphere kind of going nuts you know, and uh, uh, implementing illiberal uh, restrictions and all of that. Um, well, there would be other countries that would say, well, you know, that's bad and, and we, we will put a stop to that. But if it's all of them, who in the heck is going to bail us out? It's not going to be Russia, that's for sure. And it's not going to be China. And it sure as heck isn't going to be North Korea. Who is going to bail us out? And that's the key to what the people need to understand also. The only one being able to prevent this is the people themselves. They need to step up and they need to call out their governments and they need to put stop to it because no one else will. Who? And then what you say is true. We are in real trouble because your speech on what it means to be free in a democratic society was so like, wow, isn't that revolutionary when that should actually be something we all know in our hearts. And that means a lot of people don't know it. Doesn't it, Christine? Yeah. It means that uh, yeah. we're not aware. Like I said, the speech was treated as though I had just, you know, spoken out some mankind revolutionary theory no one had ever heard of before but it wasn't true we should all know it how disruptive has this been to your personal life for us to go through um i guess beginning with covid but even before that we could see that agendas in the world were changing people were trying to force their way of thinking um a man can be a woman um you know uh the entire the black lives matter uh things that that we've gone through instead of that 
that all lives matter. That seems to be a problem to say that, but then COVID comes and then everyone reacts the same way. And then you're in the European parliament and you can speak, but in your personal life, like, have you laid awake at night? Um, has this been disruptive to your personal life? Oh, it has rather been very disruptive. I mean, I was a housewife, you know, I took care of my three children. Um, and then I had to get into politics and getting into politics was a pure act of self-defense. I hadn't planned on this, you know, but I could no longer stand by and, and watch what was going on. And that started, like I said, um, it was like, you know, 2007 uh, with a subprime crisis in the United States, you know, uh, uh, working its way all over the globe and, you know, Lehman Brothers and all of this. Um, and I go, well, wait a minute, what is going on here? That something does not add up. So I started to get involved, you know, on a very deep level. And, and I was like, what? So th there are so many things I, I, I came to realize that, uh, yeah, in 2013, my party was founded. I heard about it and I was like, whoa, what is this? They're critical of EU. They're skeptical of the of the euro, the common currency. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's going in the right direction. So I decided to get into politics. And um, because I no longer trusted the ones that I had trusted up until that point, and I was the, the Christian Democrats, the, the conservative party in Germany and the liberal party, I always voted for them, but I, I could no longer do that because they were in on it and they were actually driving that agenda, which was so anti-democratic and so illiberal. So uh, yeah, it was time for a new party. There was a new party I joined and it was, it was literally, it was a pure act of self-defense. But my wife, my life as a housewife was pretty much over at that point. Right. So, yeah, it was wow. rather disruptive. Um, when you say Christian Democrats, um, well, first of all, the Democrats in the United States might call themselves Christians, but of course, they're all completely um, godless. Uh, but that's interesting that you would have a Christian Democratic Party and you're saying they're in on it, like they're not standing for the people. No, they're not. I mean, the Christian Democratic Party, they used to be the conservative party in Germany. And then you had another party, they call themselves the Liberal Party. And that, yes, they were striving for democracy, for, you know, people uh, uh, being in charge of their own life, liberalism and all of this. But that, like I said, around 2007, eight. And that started shifting and they became more and more illiberal and they are now, you know, in on the entire scheme. Uh, what you mentioned, transgender, the climate madness, uh, the COVID madness, you know, and uh, pushing this common currency uh, on the EU member states, which is not helping any of, of the uh, member states in Europe. It's not. Uh, on the contrary, this is the very means. Uh, to literally, um, yeah, throw all of the European countries under the bus and the, benef the beneficiaries, once again, are, you know, going to be big banks, you know, the globalist elites, the global finance, uh, pharmaceutical companies, I mean, the whole shebang, you know, but this common currency is just another means, another way 
to uh, yeah take away democratic processes from the citizens. That's and, what it is. Um, you, and I'm glad you mentioned the climate thing because I think that's the next sort of thing that they'll try to use to squeeze us to get more control to follow our carbon footprint and uh there was a this arrest you know of um this young person <laughs> that we've all come to see i think we have a video uh and you tweeted out and you said that you feel that this was all staged and this video kind of shows that uh this arrest probably was um staged I mean, you know, just look at it. She was whining about getting arrested by German police. I mean, on what planet would an arrest take place and be interrupted for a photo op? Seriously? I mean, this is so ridiculous. And she's just standing there, you know, and there is another clip that, that kicks in a, a little ahead of that, what, what you're showing. They're standing there laughing, joking, and da-da-da. And I'm like, gosh, people, please look at this. Don't fall what for a joke. BS anymore. I know. But it was, I guess it was I, I, Greta Thunberg again, you know, needing the stage and, uh, uh, you know, being handed around in the media. Oh, poor little girl. And the police are brutally arresting her. I mean, you, you just saw what happened. It was fake. Fake. She probably lost 100%. a couple of followers on Twitter and needed to make up for it again. So she asked the police, well, could you arrest me? And could we like stop right here and have a photo op or something like that? It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yes. Well, what I don't know, uh, to be fair, what I don't know is these police officers you saw in, in that video, I don't know if they're actual police officers or if they just dressed up as police officers. Uh, so right. I, I do not want to accuse the police to be in on it because I do not know if these were actual police officers. Right. It, it clearly but looks it's so fake. fake. Yes. And do you see this climate agenda, you know, Greta coming on the, the, um, you know, the platform basically sounding the alarm as the younger generation so concerned, but we know some facts now from some of the climate scientists and, and really, uh, we do not have an alarmist situation like they're presenting, but they want to, you know, have access to our bank accounts. Basically, do you think that we're going to a place where money is going to be a problem? How do you see the economy? And are they going to be able to have control over what we buy if we have to get an electric car, you know, and on and on? I mean, seriously, this scheme, that's just too perfect to pass up from their standpoint. I mean, that is a is a money making machine right there. And once again, you know, they keep the people tell them, oh, it's so dangerous. We're all going to die. And there is young people, you know, that they, they're convinced they're going to die in a couple of years. So, I mean, whenever was it the job of parents or teachers to raise children to live in constant fear of the future? Wasn't it always our job to reassure our children that, you know, you grow up and you have, you have a wonderful life. You need to work for it. You know, go to school, do this, that, and the other. But we were always trying to present a bright future so they would be hopeful and, you know, they would be positive about, you know, their everyday life. Now we're telling them it's all going to be over and it's so terrible. I mean, gosh, 
how could you you know raise children with 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 a mindset like that but yeah. it works and you know yes. they they can milk people of their taxpayers money you know by the billions and billions and billions and uh you may be aware in uh, there's some county in great britain they already passed legislation to impose climate lockdowns I, i'm not kidding you so you know what climate lockdown so they will come up with some kind of a threshold of a number you know and once you go beyond that then you will be in a climate lockdown meaning you cannot leave a specified area and what they're dreaming about is like this 15 minute neighborhoods so you can you know everything you need on a, on a regular basis everyday basis uh, you will be able to get it within 15 15 minute foot walk um and uh, then there's another thing going on in Saudi Arabia. I'm not I'm sure if you're aware of that. It's called Naom City. Uh, it's also referred to as a mirror wall. So in the middle of the desert, they're pulling up uh, living quarters. Uh, it's, it's insane. It's 200 kilometers long. It's uh, 200 meters wide and 500 meters high. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to get people under complete and total control, that's exactly what I would do. In the middle of the desert, I would, you know, build living quarters, which will house up to 9 million people. And uh, they're expected to subscribe to a, a food subscription. So they for three day, uh, 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 three meals a day. So, I mean, this is perfect. Well, what will happen if you, you know, maybe step out of your 15 minute radius? Will they just cancel the food for that day for you? Or, you know, what will they do? You, there's nowhere to go. I mean, you're, you don't have a car there. And where would you go in the middle of the desert? Seriously? This is, I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. They're celebrating themselves on a website for this uh, a living quarter or whatever. And uh, of course, it's climate neutral. Some benefit to it, at least. Wow! 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 Like I said, I, I think you're I absolutely right. If I wanted to have utter control over people, that's what I would do. And that's what they want. They want utter control over us. And in Canada, we got our accounts frozen if we were supportive of freedom. And uh, this is going to the rest of the world. Absolutely. Um, I'm just so grateful for your time. Uh, my final sort of uh, question and, and I'd love to know, uh, is there, do you have faith in your life? Do you believe that God has brought you to this place or how do you see it? Because it's really like a destiny that you're fulfilling that only a tough woman like Christine Anderson, who was a problem to her teachers and her parents, only a tough woman could fulfill this role and take the heat and not stop. Do you feel that God brought you or you were prepared? How do you see it? I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure about that, but I, I, it's interesting that you would ask that question. Um, I really don't know, but, and that's the thing, um, six, it's seven years ago, almost seven years ago, I had a horrible accident. Um, and, uh, there were so many ways, uh, for me to die that night. And, uh, there were so many ways for me to be seriously impaired 
uh, brain injury, uh, possibly paralyzed or even losing uh, one of my legs. I mean, there were so many possibilities for me to, to just no longer be on this planet that um, in the when I recovered or as I recovered, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I had this thought that there must be something God wants me to accomplish uh, on this planet, wants me to do. Otherwise, he would have taken me that night. Yeah, he definitely would have. So um, now I'm, I'm not, you know, I believe in God. I do. But, but I'm not, you know, overly religious. So I, I don't, you know, regularly go to church or nothing like that. But, um, yeah, that thought has actually uh, come to mind um, that I miraculously survived that night. And not only did I survive, but I survived in the manner that I actually did survive this accident. So, uh, yeah, that uh, that thought has crossed my mind. So, but God only knows. I don't. That's amazing. And um, I think that's true. Uh, I've, I had no idea about that accident but I just see such destiny and clarity in your voice. And it makes sense that you've been through something that almost took your life so that you would even appreciate life more and maybe even think, well, what do I do with this voice and this life God has given me? And it might not be in the outward manifestation of, you know, church and whatnot, but to deeply know if there's a God that surely he has spared your life for such a time as this. And I do feel that very much, Christine. When I hear you speak, I just feel the chills of God's voice ringing out to the entire world. And I actually feel it right now. I'm getting such a powerful sense that God wants me to convey to you that he sees you and he needs you and he created you for this time. And, uh, and I think he'll guide you. He will give you the words and the wisdom. And um, once in a while, you might have that quiet moment and you'll say, God, we're in trouble. What can I do? How can I be your voice, your hands? Because you are already doing so much. I can't even imagine. I'm so grateful that you would come to Canada as well. So we do have a poster. You're, you're going to be several places. I think you said Quebec and Calgary. We have a poster for Calgary. Um, we appreciate that you that you would come to our country. Thank you. Well, don't thank me. I mean, I, seriously, I, I'm just so grateful that I'm finally going to be able to come to your beautiful country because I'm just dying to meet the brave people that apparently got it and got up and spoke up against uh yeah your tyrant trudeau and uh because what started in canada with the freedom convoy and the truckers that just went you know that went viral too uh throughout the world and it started something in each and every other country around the world and that's that that would real that's it started out with this and it was so important that it happened. So it's me. I'm grateful that I'm allowed to come and to meet all of these brave, brave people. Right. 
Right. And, uh, you know, we love uh, Beth Ann and Stacy who have been, they have been freedom warriors right there in Ottawa. And uh, they, I think, have put this together. And so I'll be speaking to Beth Ann uh, in a couple weeks here as we prepare to have you to make sure that um, every freedom fighter in Canada knows you'll be there. And if there is any way to get to see Christine Anderson, we are going to get there. And um, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for sharing your heart and being authentic. Um, I think that's one of the things that has made you powerful is you're willing to speak the truth, um, share your fears, share your concerns, share your advice on what we need to do to survive all of this. I, I appreciate you. I'll give you the final word on our world. Well, like I always say, um, if you sleep in a democracy, you will have a very rude awakening in a tyranny. So please, I can only, I, I'm imploring the people to please wake up and question and criticize their governments. Thank you. Thank you. Well, very well said and so beautiful. Thank you, Christine. I look forward to seeing you. I hope to see you in Calgary, actually, and uh, to be there with bells on to cheer you on. Thank you for coming uh, to this broadcast as well and taking your very precious time to be with us. I just want you to know that we love you. And for any criticism you ever get, I want you to know there's millions and millions of people on this planet cheering. And that's why you're going viral is because we're cheering this woman so daring, so courageous as to speak what you are speaking. We need to hear it. Thank you. And, and God bless you, Christine. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for very kind words. Um, thank you. I, I do realize who, who I can count on. Thank you, you so much. count on us. You're so welcome. Have a very wonderful day, Christine. Take care. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Well, that's going to go down as one of my favorite moments of all time getting to speak to that incredible person. Wow. I think about um, Esther in the Bible. Esther was called uh, to a very great place. She didn't feel prepared. She didn't have the right, um, necessarily even the right pedigree or she, she wasn't from the right family. Esther was told by Mordecai, her uncle, before she went into audition to be the next queen um she was told don't disclose your jewish heritage she was basically told to kind of move into her position with a careful understanding that she might not be received if they all knew who she truly was and it wasn't until she became the queen, she was chosen out of all those women that uh, the, the king could have chosen. She was chosen to be the one. And it wasn't until a certain time when it was revealed who she was so that she could save the nation because evil had come against the people. And Esther was in a the right position at the right moment to save the people.
And it strikes me that Christine Anderson bears that somewhat, that her words are resonating, that God knew she would be born into the, the German lineage so that she would understand all that went on in Germany and it would inform her and give her wisdom about tyranny and freedom. And I don't have much more to say or to add to this today. Um, I would like to leave you with a, um, with a scripture. JT, could you put up that poster one final time so that we can see uh, where she will be February 18th? Put this on your calendar, everyone, that, um, that you don't miss this incredible opportunity to see Christine Anderson. And I just want to say to Beth Ann and Stacy, well done. These are freedom fighters who have put this together to bring this amazing person to Canada. And uh, we all love Beth Ann. Um, man, she just kept us going when, when we were in Ottawa. She was on the main stage almost every single day, just bringing powerful words. And so I'd like to remind you that my website is laurelin.tv. The things that I do in life are not because of a career choice. Um, I did that before when I was on broadcast television. I chose, um, you know, that I wanted to, to bring and have a career in television. But that all ended um, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. I'm going to go to the book of Esther today. That all ended, you know, when I started standing up and then uh, broadcast television, basically the show that I was on, uh, you know, wasn't really, um, they weren't geared up for doing activism, I guess. Uh, they weren't geared up for, for having a stand on today's issues. They wanted and they felt their calling in all fairness, and, and that's fine. Uh, was to was to bring the you know salvation to everyone and I I understand that I felt in my heart that then God took me down some paths and then COVID hit I was already fighting a whole lot of crazy agendas in the world but then COVID hit and all of it began happening and Esther. Um, the book of Esther became very important. And many people said to me, you're an Esther in the land. And I did, what, didn't fully understand necessarily um, all of that. But I was grateful that God called me for such a time as this to expose everything that's going on and to allow everything that had been placed in my heart to lead to the potential to be a voice at this time. And it is an honor and a privilege for me to come here every single day and to tell you the truth because we won't get it on CNN. We won't get it on much of the Fox programming. We won't get it on MSNBC, CTV, CBC, or Global. You will not get the truth. But so help me God, I will speak the truth when I know it. When I see it, when I hear it, and I understand that God is asking me to speak, I will speak. And it's so very, very important. So 
I want to just read to you um, from Mordecai. When Mordecai spoke in Esther to um, the book of Esther, he spoke to her and he said, don't believe that you're going to escape this harm if you remain silent. Because now Esther had a cushy position as the queen. She was not in harm every day. She had servants and lots of them. She had her food and lots of it. She had her dignity and everything that was going on. She had it all. And then evil came against the people and said that her people were going to be slaughtered. And Mordecai said to her, now that you have your cushy position, now that the people of Canada and the United States have their cushy world where we own boats and I don't, but some do, um, um, cars and homes and we have money and we can go get that latte anytime we want. At least most of us still can. Now that you have your cushy position, don't think that if you, doctor, you, teacher, you, politician, remain silent, that this harm will not come to you. In fact, your silence may bring it to your doorstep. It is time to stand strong. For such a time as this, that your destiny, and I know something, I know that there are lawyers, doctors, teachers, politicians that watch my show almost every day. And you need to rise up with that voice, just like Christine Anderson has done her part. She left being a housewife and a mom because she could not tolerate what was going on. We all have a destiny and we get to live it out. We all have to be a voice, not just the people that are on these videos, not just the people that are in big positions in, in politics, not just them, but that you would be the voice. Because let me tell you, sometimes you're going to be the only voice in your place of work before I, I feel to direct some of my comments to doctors today. You need to stand now. Do you think it will not come to you if you do not speak? No, it's coming to all of us. And we need every single person to be on board that you would find the courage within you to be like Dr. Trozzi, to be like Dr. Paul Alexander, to be like Dr. William Mackis in this nation speaking out, losing their licenses, losing things, uh, being sidelined, being ostracized, uh, their reputations being harmed by liars. What does it all profit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Every one of us is in harm's way. The word of God says that the Lord will be with us that he will be with us in treacherous places, that he will be our strength, that he will guide us, that he will directly give us knowledge, the words that we need at the exact right moment, 
May God be your strength and your provider and your shield and your buckler. Have a great weekend, everyone. God bless. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.